Hi everyone, welcome to thehorse.com's Ask the Vet Live. I'm your host, Michelle Anderson, digital editor of thehorse.com. This month's topic is equine dental health, and it's brought to you by exclusively equine. Uh, we are joined by two veterinary dental experts, uh, Dr. Lynn Caldwell of Silverton Equine in Oregon, and she is a former member of the AAEP Dentistry Committee. And we also have Dr. Jack Easley of Easley Equine Dentistry in Shelbyville, Kentucky, uh, and he is an equine diplomate of the Board of Veterinary Practitioners. Welcome, doctors. Thank you. Good to be here. I am really excited about this topic because I think that uh, we horse owners, you know, we look at our horse's feet and we learn a lot and we can see that our horse's feet and we see our horse's body and we learn a lot about that, but it's harder to see inside their mouths <laughs> and know that, that things are, are right in there. So I want to ask you guys, uh, Dr. Easley, first with you, how did dentistry become the focus of your practice? Well, um when I got out of veterinary school, I did a surgery residency at Kansas State and then uh, sort of specialized in horse surgery for about the t first 15 years of practice. And about 20 years ago, I sold my practice and uh, I'd always had an interest in dental and oral surgery, but that became more of a uh, a focus of mine when I started doing more ambulatory work and it, it was just something that I was very enthusiastic about and I tried to read all the old literature and the little bit of new literature that there was on it and it was just something that uh, sparked my uh, interest and enthusiasm and I've had just a passion for it ever since. Okay. And Dr. Caldwell, what about you? How did you get involved with equine dentistry? Well, I graduated from Purdue 20 years ago, and um, the the first job that I had was up in northern Indiana, and my boss sent me out. I remember Jack asking me this question several years ago when we first met. The, my first boss sent me out to float something like 25 sets of horse teeth, and I thought she was trying to kill me. That's but, a busy day. <laughs> yeah. it was. I went to a farm that had anything from minis to draft horses and everything in between, and um, I guess I made the mistake of actually looking in their mouths <laughs> and trying to figure out what to do um, with the two floats in a bucket that I had. Uh, I saw a lot of interesting things, and um, I guess it just kind of went from there. Okay. Well, uh, we're going to be talking about equine dentistry for the next hour. Um, this is an hour-long event. Everyone who's out there listening live, as always, you can send in your questions uh, as you're listening along uh, in the, your browser console right in front of you. We have a bunch of pre-selected questions that were submitted when everyone registered. I want to thank everyone for sending these questions. We got some really, really excellent questions on this topic, and I'm looking forward to hearing the doctor's answers. Um, and we're going to start out with Dr. Easley. And I have a question from um, Hilly in Turkey, and Hilly wants to know, is there any way that I, just a rider, can check my horse's teeth, and how can I tell if there are any ulcers or any problems going on? And I have that same question. <laughs> so, so, Dr. Well, Easley, what can we do well, as horse owners? Well, I, I guess I want to start out answering that question by just saying that Without examining the inside of a horse's mouth, you cannot determine the health of their mouth. Now, that being said, there are things that you can do to uh, 
get an idea of whether the horse is having problems with its mouth. And some of the outward signs that we see of that are horses that hold their head to the side when they eat or pack feed in their cheeks. If you'd notice any odor in their mouth, an abnormal smell or bloody discharge from the mouth, a horse with excessive salivation or... um, And so there are symptoms that horses show that can be associated with dental disease, but horses are pretty stoic animals. Uh, And I examine horses uh, quite often that have terrible teeth but aren't showing many clinical signs. And I have other horses that are showing uh, dramatic clinical signs of dental disease that have very small things going on in their mouth that are disturbing for the horse. So it's, I guess if you equate it with people, which I don't really like to do, but if you had a, a grape seed stuck between two teeth in your mouth, even though it wouldn't be causing a lot of disease in your mouth, it could be quite aggravating to you. By the same token, there's people that have rotted teeth and are missing teeth that function every day with uh, you know missing teeth in their mouth. And as long as they're not a painful thing for them, they seem to function with those fine. But if you go to your dentist, of course, he's going to tell you that you've got problems in your mouth. But we we all show symptoms differently, and so do horses. So it's a very difficult thing, and the only way to really know whether a horse has problems in their mouth is to examine the mouth. Yeah, and I've always wondered that because like, I cracked a tooth, and I tell you what, that <laughs> that hurt. But my horse had a cracked tooth, and I didn't even know until my vet looked in his mouth and told me that it, that it was there. So do horses just have a different tolerance for pain and discomfort, or do are we just big complainers? <laughs> well, no, I, 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 Go ahead, Jack. We don't know that. I mean, I can't uh, anthropomorphize whether a horse, you know, how they exhibit signs of pain or whether they hide pain. Uh, But we do know that horses, some horses have very bad mouths and have very little outward symptoms of that. And other horses, again, uh, are uh, appear to be having abnormal behaviors that we can sometimes attribute to bad teeth that uh, are quite dramatic. So again, without looking in the mouth and doing a good oral exam, it's very difficult to tell what's going on. Yeah. I, I just want to add to that, Michelle, because that's a, that's a really good question and it's one that's posed to us frequently by horse owners and veterinarians alike. How do you tell if a horse is in pain? Well, as Dr. Easley alluded to previously, they're very stoic animals because they're prey animals. So they don't go around telegraphing their, you know, severe dental discomfort or, or discomfort uh, for the most part anyway because, you know, they become cougar bait if, if they do that. So they're very quiet about things. And, and I think owners who are in tune with their animals can tell many times when they're in pain, but other times really can't tell when they're in in dental pain. Uh, Sometimes we diagnose pain in a retrospective uh, manner because, for instance, they will take out a cracked tooth or will take out some some incisors or some bad canines or something like that in a horse's mouth, and 
all of a sudden they'll they'll act like a new animal a couple of days later. They'll have all sorts of energy and be kicking up their heels, and you can only interpret that as my horse is feeling a lot better. And and that leads into the next question really well, Dr. Caldwell, and that's from Shannon in Sydney, Australia. And Shannon wants to know if you can explain the different types of dental pain a horse can experience and how a vet can prevent that pain. I, I know Dr. Lee in Australia, and I know what he's getting at. Um, there's there are there have been many types of or many theories about the way horses. Sh- show pain or what causes their pain after dental work has been done on them. Years ago, it was postulated that their TMJs were hurting them. Um, More recently, it's been postulated that um, excessive over-reduction of the teeth exposes dental tubules, which cause pain like something like maybe you and I would have if we had some exposed dentin um, from some gingival recession or something like that. A few years ago, I started looking into the human literature, and I do like to try to compare what's going on in equine dentistry with what's known in human dentistry. And at least in the human dental field, they have um, described a condition called occlusomuscular pain, and that's when the muscles of mastication are not happy. Either they're, they're having to be too tense or they're having to work overtime to compensate for some sort of a malocclusion in the in the horse's mouth. Now, if you have someone that goes um, uh, into the horse's mouth with whatever kind of equipment and removes too much tooth, you'll see a lot of these horses not eat for several weeks. Um, two, I've seen two weeks to a couple of months. The interesting part about it is that um, they're able to recover after that kind of an event. Um, but it appears to be, to me, um, to be a, what is known as occlusomuscular pain, and, and it will just take time usually um, and some non-steroidal inflammatories and some soft feed to, um, to recover from that. There was recently a discussion on one of our veterinary listservs about this same problem. A horse had had a, a lay floater uh, come in and, and float his teeth, a young horse, and he... This horse could not masticate his food at all um, afterwards. He tried and tried and tried, but he could not masticate his food. He spit out every bit of it. Um, And there is actually a video of that horse up on YouTube. I can't remember the name of it. If it comes to me, I'll shout it out. But uh, you can see this horse trying and trying to masticate his food. And I did get in touch with the veterinarian who took that video and posted it. And I asked her how long it took that horse to recover and she said it was about three weeks. I think it just took a little bit of time and um, some non-steroidals. He was okay again. But that shouldn't happen. That really should not happen. You shouldn't have a horse that's uncomfortable um, for any prolonged amount of time, even you know, even several days after um, getting into a mouth and doing dental work. That, that shouldn't happen. So then, Dr. Caldwell, how would an owner know that something isn't right after a dental treatment and know that it's time to call the call the vet back or call your general practitioner to come check things out? That happens frequently, and I think owners panic um, many times and call the veterinarian. And, and the case that I was just talking about is that's exactly what happened. Um, the owner noticed that the horse could not eat, spit every bit of food out of his mouth, um, and called her veterinarian. And she confessed to 
having a certain individual come into her barn for actually several years, and and her her uh, historical recollection of the years that the person had been coming in and doing um, several dentals at a time on her horses included um, all the horses lost weight afterwards for a couple of months, and all the horses bled significantly during their dental work. Now, to me, that would be pretty obvious that you have a problem going on, but it took her until uh, this particular horse um, to, to call her veterinarian and in, in and ask for an assessment. Um, but luckily, the horse did recover. And we have a question from our live audience uh, that's referring back to the first question I asked. So, Dr. Easley, Terry in Maryland wants to know what the best method is for an owner to look in a horse's mouth and try to see all the way back there. Is that possible for a horse owner to do that on their own? Not unless the horse owner has a full mouth speculum. Okay. Uh, you you see in the old literature where people talk about uh, taking the horse's tongue and pulling it to the side to force the mouth open or force a finger in the palate to get the horse to open its mouth to look inside. Uh, and that allows you to do a cursory assessment, a very quick glimpse inside the horse's mouth. But to thoroughly examine the mouth, you have to have the mouth opened up, uh, rinsed out well, opened up with a speculum, and a bright light shined in the mouth to where you can see all the structures inside the mouth. And even with that, sometimes you can't see the occlusal surface of the back teeth without actually having a, a dental mirror to be able to look down on the occlusal surface of the teeth. So you can do a quick cursory exam by uh, pulling the tongue to the side and forcing the mouth open and shining a light in there. But you're not going to really, uh, I mean, you could notice that there was blood in the mouth or that the tongue had a big cut on it. But you're not going to see ulcerations in the cheeks or uh, uh, you won't even see a, a broken tooth probably. Uh, so there, you're, going to, you're not going to be able to do an adequate exam. You have to get your veterinarian to help you uh, and get the horse restrained well and get a speculum in its mouth to do a, an oral exam. Uh, you may be able to see something with this cursory exam but you're going to miss more than you'll actually find. Indeed, and I wanted to add to that that um, that um, I, I think if the question is geared more towards, well, what can I do just if my horse isn't going to tell me, how do I know when it's time for the horse to be floated? Or if I've never um, had any dental work done on him, how do I know? Well, I've heard in the past you can stick your fingers in there and run your fingers along the, the cheek teeth, but I don't recommend that at all mm -hmm. if you happen to get your finger <laughs> In between their teeth, um, you might just lose it. They're, they have very powerful teeth that are, that are built for grinding, so please don't do that. Um, but just if you, if you, uh, you know, get your horse out of the stall first thing in the morning before they've had anything to eat, smell their breath. Look for, um, you know, any, any signs of any malodor coming from their mouth. Any, anything that doesn't smell like sweet grass is... Um, is usually a bad thing. Um, you can give them, a, say, a, an extruded pellet like a Berry Good, you know, those hard extruded pellets, mm -hmm. or a carrot. See if they can nip the carrot off with their incisors and see if they can 
move the carrot to the back of their mouth and chew it um, without, you know, having any trouble. Those are those are usually some very easy little tests that horse owners can do. Uh, and everyone may have heard me uh, make a sound, and that was me imagining sticking my hand in, in my one horse's mouth. <laughs> one might let me, but the other one, um, it, it wouldn't be any fun. So <laughs> our next question... No. Um, our next question is uh, for Dr. Easley, and it's from Kathy in Georgia. And Kathy wants to know how, know at what age do does a horse first need its teeth looked at and floated, and how long before it needs it again? So what's the frequency of, of dental treatments for a horse? Well, I think that uh, your question was worded well. Uh, there's a difference between having your horse's teeth ex- and mouth examined and how often they need to be floated. Uh, horses should be examined about every uh, 6 to 12 months, e- even young horses. Uh, a foal, when they're first born, should have their mouth looked at to make sure that the upper and lower jaws match normally. and we quite often uh, diagnose conditions like parrot mouth or an undershot jaw on very young horses even before they're weaned. Um, And horses that are diagnosed with these severe malocclusion problems may need to have some dental correction done on them early in life. Uh, But horses with normal occlusion, uh, they should have their mouth just checked periodically and I do see, being in Kentucky, I see a lot of young horses, and you'll find dental abnormalities in young horses. They get uh, bone cysts in their jaws that displace teeth, or uh, they get developmental abnormal teeth, or they're missing teeth, or have spaces between their teeth that are abnormal. So you do see these things in young horses, and so it's worth having them examined. But typically, they don't need to have any floating done until about the time that they're two-year-olds and you're beginning to put them into work. And then most horses should have their mouth examined at least once a year. And if they're a horse that has some malocclusion problems or some dental abnormality, they may need to be done more often. But every horse should be examined at least once a year. And Dr. Easley, when your horse is getting examined, you know, once a year, your vet's coming out and doing vaccinations and you have them look in the mouth. Does the horse need a full speculum for the the vet to really see in there and know if something's going on? It depends on the, uh, if you've had a horse that is, that has a complaint of a problem, it probably does need a speculum. But many veterinarians are good enough at working in a horse's mouth to be able to comfortably place their hand in the horse's mouth or retract the tongue and do a cursory exam well enough to say that whether the horse has a problem or not without a full mouth speculum. But there's some veterinarians that are not comfortable with doing that without a speculum, and you don't do a thorough exam. So any horse that you suspect has a problem should have a thorough oral exam with a speculum. It would be like you going to the dentist and walking in the exam room and smiling and have the dentist say, oh, your teeth look okay. 
that's kind of the exam that you can do without a speculum. You want you want to get the mouth opened up and see all the way to the back of the mouth. And on a horse, to do that properly, you have to have a speculum on Okay. Do you have any other comment to make with that? Well, yeah, and a good light source and generally, um, uh, you know, obviously a clean mouth. If you're going to do a, one of these cursory exams, which I do frequently when somebody gets a new horse uh, and we're not set up for doing dentistry, um, yeah, you want to make sure that the mouth is rinsed out. And most, most horses will, will tolerate that just fine, a little bit of water from their bucket in a oral drench gun that I use to clean their mouths out with, and then you need a a really good light, and you need a, a quite a bit of comfort with a comfort level with you know holding their tongue and not pulling on it to cause the horse discomfort, but at least opening up their mouth so that you can have a you know a fairly good cursory look at their cheeks and what's going on at least um, grossly with their teeth. You can you can actually get some pretty good information that way. But like Dr. Eason said, a real dental exam includes sedation and a tooth by tooth inspection with a speculum on. Okay. Our next question is for Dr. Caldwell, and it's from Diana in New York. And Diana says that her vet uses power tools for routine floating and that she's heard that these tools can actually wear down teeth and cause more harm than good. She's also heard that it's very uncomfortable for the horse, even when the horse is uh, tranquilized or sedated, um, and that some people contend that only the only proper way to float a horse's teeth is by hand. She says also some people say that equine dentists, non-vets, are better. Can you, do you have any thoughts on that? I have lots of thoughts on that. <laughs> Let me take them one point at a time. Okay. Um, it, it can be very true that um, overuse or misuse of power tools for routine, you call it floating, uh, which just means smoothing sharp edges. We call it odontoplasty, which means taking off tooth structure with those power instruments. They certainly can uh, take off way too much um, uh, tooth structure. Yes, they can. So those, uh, those instruments should only be used by people that have adequate experience and are well-trained with them. Um, the next question uh, is, is it very uncomfortable for the horse even when tranquilized? It should not be. It should not be uncomfortable for the horse even when tranquilizing. My thoughts about discomfort caused to a horse during a routine dental procedure with power instruments um, would be, one, you have the speculum on and you've got it opened up too far. You haven't closed the speculum um, at any time during your procedure, so you've left the mouth open too long. Um, or you've, you've applied the power instruments to the horse's teeth for, say, longer than 20 seconds, which will, which will cause quite an increase in the temperature of the tooth, particularly in young animals that don't have uh, very thick teeth and they've got very um, huge pulp chambers. Let's and is, say. It, is, is that from the friction of the tool on the tooth? Yes, right, that's correct. It's the friction of the tool on the tooth. And uh, if you use water during the procedure, that obviates all of that, you know, thermal problem um, but then again, you'd have to have, you have to have the horse's head held at a level because remember, he's sedated when you're doing this. You have to have the horse's head held at a level where the water will run out and not down his throat or down his trachea, which would be very bad. So, um, no, the horse should not be feeling discomfort. But again, this has to do with proper training and experience using these instruments. Um, the other part of your question was, 
some contend that the only proper way to float a horse's teeth is by hand. You can get a lot of stuff done by hand. Uh, Lord knows I've spent many years uh, using just hand instruments, and I have the tendonitis to show it. Um, but it takes a lot longer, and it's probably a lot less comfortable for the horse and for um, the veterinarian. Um, so I would have to disagree that the only proper way to float a horse's teeth is by hand. Uh, again, it, power instruments have really revolutionized uh, equine dentistry. They've uh, allowed us to perform routine dental procedures, um, floating and what have you, taking off sharp points and reducing minor malocclusions. It's, it's uh, taken that process and made it into a short, very sweet procedure. Time is trauma when you're talking about um, anything, surgery, dental surgery, whatever. So the faster you can get something done um, and out of there, the better the horse is, the better you are. Um, the last part of your question was some even contend that equine dentists, non-DVM, are much better. I have a lot of thoughts about that, and probably we don't have a lot, very much time to talk about that. Um, but the first thing I want to say is that the term dentist is a protected term, and it means that someone has either achieved a diplomate status in the American College of Veterinary Dentistry, so they are considered a, a veterinary dentist, or they've graduated from um, with a DDS or a DMD from a human school of dentistry. So those people are dentists. Lay people should not be using the term equine dentist because it's a very misleading term for the general public. It implies that there's some sort of a medical education um, and medical knowledge or uh, again, um, all of the requisite things that come along with being a medical professional, like licensing and, reg and uh, regulations, responsibility and accountability, pretty much. Um, there are some um, lay people, we call them non-veterinary dental care providers, that can do a very good job and are, and are well apprised of um, their limits, and they try to work with veterinarians. They, they're supposed to be working with veterinarians. I don't want to be bad-mouthing all of these lay people. However, I did spend quite a bit of time, years, um, actually, working with many of these uh, lay people, and I made a lot of good friends, um, learned a lot. Um, but I did come to a point where I realized there, there is, um, there is a, definitely a line between a veterinarian and a lay person. Um, a lot of times people that come out of these um, um, lay schools of equine tooth care um, tend to take off a lot of tooth. I see that regularly. I hear those complaints regularly from all around the country, particularly when I was on the, the uh, AAP's dental committee, when I was the chairperson of the dental committee, veterinarians from all over the country and, and horse owners from all over the country would contact me and say, this person did this to my horse, what are my, what's my recourse? You don't have any. Um, you're talking about a person who's not licensed or educated and in some, in some cases are, are, um, are impersonating a medical professional, really. So I think horse owners are becoming, um, they're becoming savvy about this over the last several years. Um, there's still a lot of non-veterinary dental care providers, there's a lot of motion um, in some states to get them licensed and regulated, but, but I think that um, it's going to take a while until there's a standard of anything. Okay. Jack, did you want to add anything to that? 
I kind of rambled. Well, um, I guess the only thing I would uh, say with that, to be a today to be an equine dentist requires that you own some dental instruments. It does not require that you have any training whatsoever. And so you have to be very careful about uh, who you have do your dentistry. And you need to realize that uh, non-veterinarians that are performing dentistry in most states are doing it illegally and that those people are not uh, by law either uh, they cannot carry or administer any sort of tranquilization or medicine, and they cannot make a medical diagnosis. So basically, they're a, a tooth carpenter. They're somebody that has been trained to grind on teeth, not a person that's been trained to make a diagnosis of, a, of any kind of dental abnormality. And they cannot legally... Uh, have, transport, or administer any sort of sedation medication or any antibiotic or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. So you do need to be very careful if you're having those people work on your horse that they are working under the direct supervision of a veterinarian and that the veterinarian is uh, doing the medical diagnosis and those people are doing the carpenter work in the mouth. And so what I'm hearing, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that we as horse owners have a lot of responsibility to, to find the correct practitioner to be working on our horse. And I think that transitions nicely into our next question, which is for Dr. Easley, and it's from Irene in Minnesota. And Irene wants to know, how can I be assured my horse's dental work is being done well? Uh, I've had follow-up exams from the vet um, and told that the work that was done was inadequate, are there any signs that I can look for? Well, uh, there are probably signs that you can work for, but uh, that you can look for, but uh, it is difficult, again, for an owner to evaluate properly uh, whether dental work has been done adequately for their horse. And I think that... Uh, there's even uh, there's very little evidence to back up what is adequate dental care for a horse, and especially when you get to the topic of floating teeth, you know how much floating is adequate and how much floating is overfloating uh, and so uh, it is difficult for an owner to evaluate that, and I think that uh, they need to depend upon uh, the relationship they have with their veterinarian. Uh, and it's very easy for somebody to criticize someone else's dental work, and especially when we don't have a good standard for what is proper dental work and what isn't. So uh, if you have a uh, someone's doing the dental work on your horse and your horse can't eat, for a week after the dental work's done, they've probably not done proper dental work. Uh, horses should not bleed when they have their teeth floated unless they're having teeth extracted like caps removed or wolf teeth taken out or an infected tooth removed. Now those are surgical procedures in the mouth, but a regular dental exam and 
floating the teeth is not a bloody procedure. So if your horse is bleeding after routine dentistry, if your horse can't eat after routine uh, dental procedures, uh, if your horse is showing symptoms of uh, problems with his mouth, the horse should be better the next day, not worse the next day. So I think I think those are just things you have to depend on. I kind of read that question a little differently, if I could jump in for a second. Um, I think that Irene's question says that she's had someone look in her horse's mouth and been told the veterinarian's dental work was inadequate. I think Jack tried to touch on that in the beginning of his answer. Um, If you're having one of these non-veterinary dental care providers look in the mouth after a veterinarian's been in there, they may very well want to criticize what they see because, you know, they're trying to sell you their dental work. And and uh, I think veterinarians do tend to err on the side of, um, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? They try to be very, um, what's the word? Conservative. <laughs> Thank you, conservative, yes. I was going to say judicious. So. <laughs> judicious, conservative, yes. They try to be very, very uh, conservative, um, and that is in direct, conflict to what I see and what I've experienced from a lot of the non-veterinary dental care providers, which is that they tend to go in, like Jack said, and become tooth carpenters. Um, All horse mouths have to look alike um, without regard to their age or their breed or whatever permanent um, skeletal anomalies the horses may have. They just carve the teeth into the same thing. You know, it's like one size fits all shoes. It doesn't work that way. Um, so that's how I read that question: is that there seemed to be someone um, that was uh, that was uh, criticizing the veterinarian's dental work, and I got the feeling that it might have been a a, a layperson. And Dr. Caldwell, we have a follow-up question to the power tool question, uh, and it's from Kim in South Carolina who's listening live. And Kim wants to know how long, it, on average, it should take for a that to float a teeth with float teeth with power tools. Well, I can tell you that for me, for the average horse, it will usually take me about twenty minutes from start to finish. Um, in years past, uh, long ago, it used to take me forty-five minutes to an hour because I used a lot of hand floats. See my point? I mean, it's better for the horse. It's better for me if we can get it done. Um, efficiently. I'm not I, saying that I'm that I'm hurrying, and I'm not saying that I'm that I'm you know uh, not being careful with what I do. But the instrumentation that I utilize and the, with the experience I have, I can get most everything done that I need to do in your average horse in 15 to 25 minutes, so around 20 minutes. I bet you had bigger muscles when you were doing all hands. I have the shoulders of a football player. <laughs> Um, our our next question is for uh, Dr. Caldwell, and it came in from Dr. Zahor in Pakistan. And uh, Dr. Zahor is a, is a vet and wants to know, um, or says, dental pathology and dentistry can be a significant challenge in a working equid population um, due to limited resources and the context in which organizations operate. In your opinion, what is an appropriate level of dental intervention that can be done practically and provided and sustained for working equids? So we're talking about horses or equids that work for a living 
uh, not our recreational horses. Yes, I think I understand the question, and greetings to our colleague in Pakistan, Dr. Zahor. I think that the majority of the animals over there, and I could be wrong because I've not been there. Jack's probably been there. He's been everywhere. Um, are donkeys and mules, I would think. Um, I appreciate the fact that there are limited resources, and um, and I believe the question is, what what would be the average level of dental intervention that um, that the owners of these animals could expect? And and I I should think that um, a dental speculum. I don't know what kind of sedative drugs you have over there. I'm assuming that you have um, that you have access to the alpha two. Um, sedative drugs like xylazine um, uh, and um, and a bright headlight so that you could at least do a very good oral exam. Um, a, a dental mirror is an easy thing to get if you don't have a dental interoral mirror proper. Um, my first interoral mirror came from Sears Automobile Department, <laughs> one, of those, one of those little mirrors that, um, that you use for looking in, in your car's engine. So you can put together something like that fairly easily. Again, there's a lot of hand floats that are still out there and still being used if there's no access to power. Um, uh, Hand floats can still be used successfully um, on donkeys and mules and working horses um, to just provide them with some comfort and some um, treatment of some of their malocclusions. I think that's that's probably a pretty acceptable level on animals like that in the situation that you describe. Um, also, I think nutritional counseling is good. I, I, I'm aware that in that area of the world, there's a lot of um, fruits that can be that are fed to animals. Have you heard that, Jack? Figs and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. So carbohydrate high diets like that can cause um, periodontal disease, and and it's probably a good idea to counsel the the people away from feeding them um, things like figs uh, in their diet to any significant degree. Yeah, and just to back that up with uh, what Liam was saying, um, horses were designed to be grazing animals, uh, and they were they graze in uh, grasslands. And we've uh, taken horses and uh, other equids into more browsing areas or and we feed them higher levels of carbohydrate concentrates. And all of those things alter the way the horse masticates, the time they spend masticating, the way they wear their teeth down, as well as uh, changes the uh, microbiology or the flora in their mouth. And all of those things have to be taken into consideration when we consider dental care on a horse that uh, that we can, uh, you know, anything you can do to keep a horse on a more natural diet is going to help, uh, in you know, improve their dental health. All over the world. That's right. <laughs> um, and we have some live questions that have come in, and this one is related to these working equids. We have Renee in California, and Renee wants to know, compared to horses, do donkeys need their teeth floated more or less often or about the same? So are donkeys different? Donkeys are a little different. I have been taking care of a farm um, close to me that has 50 or 60 Sicilian donkeys, 
um, for a long, long period of time. They're great animals to work on. They're they're such sweet little animals. They do tend to have a, um, a significant amount of periodontal disease, and that may be due to crowding because these are smaller donkeys, um, so they'll have the same problems as mini horses. They have um, they'll have you know more crowded teeth and problems like that 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 lead up to periodontal disease. Donkeys are not generally um, put into a full bridle, et cetera, so probably they don't need to have their teeth floated as often as a horse. But they do, uh, back to Jack's point, they do need to have a dental exam at least every year. Um, there are some significant um, differences in donkeys. For instance, their, um, their eruption pattern is a little bit later than a horse's can be a couple, three years later than a horse's, in my experience. Um, they also generally tend to have ventrally curved incisors, which are, are normal for a donkey. So for a person to go in and flatten that out like they would in a horse's is, would be improper. Um, but it has, as to the question of whether they need more or less than a horse, it probably has to do with what their use is and how they're managed or maintained the more grazing donkeys get, and you know donkeys get fat just by breathing air, so they don't get a whole lot of, of green grass grazing. But the more grazing they get, the more natural um, their environment is and the less dental problems both horses and donkeys will have. Okay. So we've talked about horses and we've talked about donkeys. What about mules, Dr. Caldwell? Are they any different? Um, they're kind of, they can, they can be sort of a, well, they're a cross between a horse and a donkey, so they can have problems from both. They can, you know, some of some of these animals will uh, favor their their uh, their donkey parent, and some of them will favor their horse parent. Um, but they're generally very nice to work on as well. Um, they tend to sedate more like a donkey. Um, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of a lot of riding mules, and they they too deserve to have a dental exam every year and to have any problems addressed. Okay, and we have about 18 minutes left in our live broadcast, and we're getting a ton of questions in live. So, um, doctors, I'm going to take you to to this list of questions that are coming in. So we have some surprise questions for you here. Um, Dr. Caldwell, you just mentioned crowding in donkey's mouths. Uh, I have a question for Dr. Easley, um, and that has to do, it's, well, it's from Tana in Texas, and Tana wants to know um, about miniature horses. She says she has minis, and they don't always sh shed their baby caps, and a dentist needs to come and pop them off. At what age should a miniature horse shed its last baby tooth? So in your experience, are, are minis different? Well, miniature horses... Um they are a genetic phenomena, <laughs> and as we've uh, decreased the size of miniature horses, their heads have decreased in size faster than their teeth have, and so miniature horses tend to have crowding of the teeth inside their mouths, which uh, does a, a couple of things. It delays the shedding of, you know, horses have two sets of teeth. They have baby teeth that come in soon after birth or usually within the first six months of life. They have all their baby teeth erupted. And that may be delayed in miniature horses also because the 
the teeth erupt according to how much space there is in the mouth for the teeth to erupt. And so minis quite often won't erupt their last incisor, baby incisor tooth until sometimes they're a full year old or even later. And then as they erupt their permanent teeth, they can have problems with both delayed eruption as well as crowding in eruption, which causes impaction of these permanent teeth. And that's why the head shape of most miniature horses change dramatically from the time they're a year old until the time they're two years old, as they get these what are called eruption bumps, where the the permanent tooth is growing inside the head, but the baby tooth hasn't been lost yet. And that's a normal physiological thing to happen. And people get upset because these horses look funny. And some of them even have difficulty breathing because the teeth take up so much room inside their head that it actually puts pressure on the nasal passages. But this is a normal thing when you've got large teeth in small heads. And most of those bumps will go away normally by the time the horse is uh, about four years of age. But they will look bad and they will have sometimes problems with uh, delayed shedding of uh, baby teeth. Uh, And they may not erupt all of their permanent teeth until they're late four-year-olds or even five-year-olds, which is a year later than a lot of uh, the horse breeds, other full-size horse breeds. They can also do a lot of tearing from from those uh, maxillary eruption bumps. Yeah, because they can obstruct their uh, nasal lacrimal ducts Mm -hmm. and cause their eyes to not drain properly. Mm -hmm. So, but all of that is related to what we've done as people, (laughs) trying to breed horses to make them smaller and smaller. And as we've done that we haven't always taken into account uh, that it's just not the the skeleton of the horse that we're shrinking, but we also need to shrink their teeth, and sometimes those things don't all happen at the same time. Okay. Well, we have um, questions that have come in from Lacey in New Jersey and Rose in Nebraska. And Dr. Caldwell, I'm going to give this one to you. They both have horses that have loose teeth or a loose tooth and they want to know if those should be removed or not when when is it a good idea to remove a diseased or loose tooth well in order for me to tell those horse owners um, which teeth need to be removed and when I'd have to have a little bit more information so let me just sort of back up and give a more generalized answer Um, teeth uh, have a an attachment apparatus and that's called the periodontium when you have periodontal disease, um, the, the definition of periodontal disease is attachment loss. So when you have so much periodontal disease that the, that the attachment of the tooth has gone beyond, say, 50%, 360 degrees away, uh, the way around the tooth, that tooth is probably uh, hopeless and can't be saved. Um, you can also get... Um, an infected uh, pulp system in a horse that can cause periodontal disease because the, the infection wants to drain out from the path of least resistance. When that infection is up in the, in the maxillary cheek teeth, 
if it's towards the, the last premolar or the first, second, or third molar, if the infection is underneath the sinuses, oftentimes the path of least resistance is up into the sinus. But if the tooth is very, very loose, um, it may very well be draining out into the mouth. That infection may be draining out into the mouth. Um, and, and that tooth is not really doing the horse any good. Uh, at that point, if it's got more than 50% um, attachment loss, 360 degrees the way around the tooth, it, it probably needs to come out. Um, if you have some teeth that have a, a lesser degree of period, uh, periodontal disease, um, sometimes you can... Um, treat that periodontal disease via odontoplasty or taking off some tooth structure from, say, the occluding tooth. The primary pathology or the primary reason that dogs and people get periodontal disease is from accumulation of um, subgingival calculus. Um, and that's why we all go to the to the doctor or to the dentist and his hygienist cleans our our teeth and he comes in and checks us and makes sure that we're that we're doing okay but it's not the same way for horses their primary cause of periodontal disease are things like um, some sort of a malocclusion a supernumerary tooth which would be an extra tooth in their head um, in the case of mini horses the crowding that you see which you can actually see in quarter horses and Arabians with little tiny faces, um, horses with excessive curvature in the jaw that causes their, their lower molars to come in with excessive angulation will have a lot of periodontal disease that need to be treated as well. But, but in general, much of the periodontal disease that we see in horses that leads to tooth loss can be um, uh, treated with just odontoplasty, someone who knows what they're doing, um, picking off the, the uh, tooth structure that may be causing it. And we have um, questions that have come in from Kim in New York and Mary in Wisconsin. And Dr. Easley, I'm going to toss this one over to you. They both want to know about horses' wolf teeth. Um, so Kim wants to know what can happen if you don't remove them. And Mary wants to know how important is it to remove them. And I'd like you to start off by explaining what a wolf tooth is before you answer their questions. Okay. A wolf tooth is a uh, a small uh, first premolar tooth. It's a tooth that erupts in the uh, just in front of the cheek teeth. Uh, horses, all horses, don't develop wolf teeth. This is a uh, a first premolar is not a normal tooth for a horse to have, uh, and but most horses will develop at least one upper uh, first premolar or wolf tooth. They usually erupt at between a year and two years of age, and they can be quite sharp, and they do sit in an area where a snaffle bit or even a curb bit sometimes would pull the cheeks back against that part of the dental arcade. And so... Uh, historically, horses that are bitted have their wolf teeth uh, either filed down or removed. Uh, and it's been incriminated with 
a lot of bidding problems in horses. The fact of the matter is there's probably very few wolf teeth that actually cause a clinical problem for a horse. And a horse that doesn't wear a bit, there would be no reason to ever take a wolf tooth out of that horse. Only horses that wear a bit need to have their wolf teeth removed. And probably we remove a 100 wolf teeth from normal horses that'll never have a problem with them before we present, prevent one horse from having a bid, bidding issue from a wolf tooth. But I can, but I can it there's is one other. There's one other situation that they might need it removed, and that's if if it's a large enough tooth and it's in close enough proximity to the second premolar, the number six tooth, that it can be causing a periodontal problem. That'd be the other reason I take it out. Right, but but most wolf teeth don't cause problems for horses and in it's interesting in Europe almost no horses have their wolf teeth removed uh, and part of that has to do with they don't break you know if you're talking about uh, working horses uh, dressage horses anything other than a race horse they usually don't do a lot of training on young horses under three years of age and about 50 percent of the wolf teeth actually shed when the caps or the deciduous cheek teeth shed. And so if you look at uh, a four-year, a population of four-year-old horses and compare them with a population of two-year-old horses, you're going to find that about 70 to 80 percent of the two-year-old horses have wolf teeth, but only about 30 percent of the four-year-old horses have wolf teeth, even though they've never had them taken out by a dentist or a veterinarian, but they normally just fall out when the caps shed. Uh, so I think we overemphasize uh, sometimes the importance of wolf teeth, and uh, but they are something on a, a young horse in training, uh, late yearling, two-year-old, if they have a sharp wolf tooth, it probably is beneficial to the horse to go ahead and take it out. Uh, but if the horse is not going to be wearing a bit in its mouth, there would be no need to take the wolf teeth out. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Easley. And we are down to, we have about six minutes left, and this is uh, the point in the evening where I start trying to do some rapid-fire questions for you guys um, to fit in as much as we can in the, in the last few minutes here. Um, we got a lot of questions of from people asking about bit seats. And Dr. Easley was just talking about bidding horses. And Dr. Caldwell, can you address what a bit seat is and why that may or may not be important? Yeah. Well, if you ask, you know, 10 different people who do equine dentistry, you might get 10 different opinions. But for me, um, for me, a bit seat is just very slightly smoothing that tip of the number six tooth on all four of those number six teeth if you if you think about the shape of that tooth, and of course you guys probably wouldn't know what the shape of that tooth is, but it's like the bow of a boat, um, kind of sharp and pointy at the at the bow. Um, if you are, you know, concerned about soft tissue irritation or bit irritation, push bit, bits can push the soft tissue up towards the edge of that number six tooth. If you just round it a little bit, that's fine by me. That seems to be adequate. Um, in my practice, but I have seen bit seats performed on horses that that uh, opened up their pulp chambers. They took off so much tooth that they essentially amputated the first 
you know, third of the horse's tooth in order to roll it back so far um, to provide this sort of a rolling um, slope for the soft tissue. It's not really for the bit. I think that's a misnomer. It's really for the soft tissue of the bars and the cheeks and the tongue. Um, so they can be, they can really be overdone um, and expose pulp horns. And indeed, I've, I've taken out several teeth, and I think many of us who do um, the majority of our practice in equine dentistry have probably taken out a lot of teeth that other people have um, done excessive, quote-unquote, bit seats on, exposed that first pulp horn in that number six tooth and ended up um, killing the tooth and necessitating extraction. And we have a question that has come in live from Dr. Jean in South Carolina. And Dr. Jean says, I have seen horses that have been hand-floated without a speculum and the cingulae have been floated smooth. As a result, the horse drops feed. How long will it take uh, for the horse to get back to normal? Dr. Easley, can you explain a little bit about what Dr. Jean is asking there and provide an answer? Um, well, um I uh, I don't know that I've really I've not seen horses that have had the cingular. She may be talking about just removing too much of the occlusal surface of the tooth. Uh, most horses that masticate comfortably, even after they've had their teeth floated, uh, shouldn't lose feed out of their mouths. And I don't think it matters whether you've had a you floated the teeth with a speculum or without a speculum. If you overfloat the teeth uh, and remove too much tooth structure, whether you do it with hand tools, whether you do it with power tools, with a speculum or without a speculum, you can cause the horse not to properly uh, occlude their back teeth, and they will tend to dribble food. They'll tend to... Uh, improperly masticate their forage and they may make quid balls or they may drop food back out of their mouth or even choke on uh, unchewed feed. So, uh, but I think that usually comes from overfloating or taking too much tooth off. And I think that uh, if anything, you always want to err on the side of doing less rather than more inside a horse's mouth because you can sure damage the teeth by overfloating them, and I see a lot more problems with horses that have had too much tooth removed than I do with horses that have had not enough tooth removed. Remember that all of these irregularities took years to form, and you don't have to correct all of it in one sitting with the horse. So you can do gradual corrections over a long period of time to get the horse's mouth back to normal. Agreed. And we have a question for you, Dr. Caldwell, that's come in from Lois in Florida, who's listening live. And Lois wants to know what the difference is between balancing a horse's mouth and floating a horse's teeth. She says, I've had both done over the years on my horse, and Yvette recently told me that there's no scientific data to support balancing, and he did a regular float. Uh, Dr. Caldwell, can you respond to that? It would be very difficult to respond to that because it's, Floating and balancing probably mean different things to, you know, half a dozen people if you ask them. Um, Floating, as we talked about before, generally refers just to smoothing of some sharp 
points in the horse's mouth. A balance, um, balancing a horse's mouth, it, they're, I believe they're referring to uh, trying to optimize the function of the, of the uh, teeth within the, within the masticatory system. But that um, has not been decided on um, what is proper, um, what is necessary. And frankly, each individual horse is going to be different. Every single individual is different. Each horse has, a, has their own masticatory system comprised of teeth, the muscles of mastication, and the TMJs, and they're all individuals. So if, if you try to, quote-unquote, balance uh, horse A like you did horse C or D or Z um, and do the exact same thing for all these animals, um, I don't think that's much of a balance. I think that's carpentry work. And we are unfortunately out of time, um, but I want to ask each of you before we close, um, and I might be catching you uh, on the spot a bit, but I want to know what the strangest or most interesting thing you've seen in a horse's mouth when you've opened it up for the first time. Um, do you, one of you want to jump in with that? <laughs> well, do you want me to go first? <laughs> I stuck up in the palate, but you go ahead. That was... That was the weirdest thing I ever saw, I think, that I can remember. A stick in the palate. Yeah. Well, I think the most unusual thing that uh, that I've seen, I, I saw a horse with a tooth uh, that had a young horse that a tooth had erupted just underneath the tongue in the middle of the mouth. Wow. Uh, and, and, you know, externally the horse's teeth looked normal, but he had this extra tooth. Uh, sticking up underneath the tongue, right in the middle of the mouth. And what did you do with that tooth? <laughs> well, the the tooth ended up being a displaced permanent tooth, and the horse had retained a deciduous tooth. And this particular horse had had an injury as a yearling and had displaced the dental bud of a permanent tooth. And radiographs, we took some x-rays, and that showed us you know, where the abnormal tooth was. And we did end up extracting that tooth. Okay. Well, I, I want to close uh, this evening by thanking both of you, Dr. Easley and Dr. Caldwell, for joining us tonight and taking time to answer questions from our audience. I want to thank everyone who's out there listening live for tuning in and everyone who listens to the archive. If you want to listen to this again, uh, we will have it archived on thehorse.com shortly. Uh, you can find it definitely by tomorrow morning. Uh, and if there you have a question that we didn't get to, do a search on thehorse.com. We have thousands of articles and, and references on there, and hopefully you can find some information. Um, I want to thank exclusively Equine for our for sponsoring tonight's event, and I hope that you can join us next month. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Good night. Bye.